When you're smiling. Hey, you. Bubbly sparkling water is crisp, refreshing, and perfect for any occasion. Kind of like my voice, but in a can. No calories, no sweeteners, all smiles. Bubbly. Crack a smile. Hey, Seth. How you doing? Hey, how's it going, man? It's going good, man. How about you? Good. You hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you perfectly. How about you? How about me? Excellent. All right. So what I'm going to do first is I'm going to introduce the show. Then after that, I'll get you to introduce yourself to everyone, and then we'll go on ahead and go with the interview. Cool, man. Right. Hello, movie lovers, and welcome to the show. For today's podcast, I actually have visual effects producer Seth Martin. Say hello to everyone, Seth. Hello. Hello, everyone. And tell everyone a little bit about yourself. Um, I am a film lover, and I am here to unite. <laughs> Amongst other things, talk about myself. One of my least favorite things to do, but I will do it for you, John. All right. I do appreciate <laughs> it, Chris, Seth. I do. Re- I really do. <laughs> And I just want to say thank you for taking the time out of your day and everything to talk with me. This one-on-one interview, I do really do appreciate that. Not a problem. Glad to do it. All right. So my thing is this. You know, what made you want to be involved in special effects? <clears throat> well, um, well, I started as a filmmaker um, back in the 90s on video. Um, visual effects was something I just kind of uh, stumbled into uh, throughout the course of my career from working in post. So I started as an editor, and then I went into visual effects from there. Um, okay. <laughs> and another thing, too, was, I mean, I know it might have been hard to actually get your name out there and everything, too, probably, right? Oh, and- yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, back then, uh, especially. Right, because back then we didn't have YouTube. We didn't have any way to actually put ourselves out there or anything like that. The information highway was not as crafted as it is today to where people can actually take notice of visual effects uh, people and also directors, actors, stuff like that. So it was a lot harder to actually get certain things out there. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I do have to say, I mean, I did some of the stuff that you actually done, I've actually watched before. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> like I was going through your that's how you know you made it in this business exactly I'm like okay I've seen Goldberg's yeah <laughs> I want to you know, know what's, like, uh, like, what's odd is I haven't seen a lot of the stuff that I've worked on I mean I've oh, wow. seen the uh the 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 parts that I work on but the final show uh, a lot of times I don't I don't see But my my question is this, um, what was it like to be on some of those sets, though? Like the Goldbergs, Cobra Kai, uh, The Good Doctor, shows like that. What was it like for that? Well, when when it comes to set work, um, I've only I've only been on a few sets a long time ago. Most shows like the the ones you mentioned, um, by the time I get the footage, they're long done shooting. So, um I'm usually not on the set during that time, right. uh, but uh, sometimes it's uh, it's better that way, uh, depending on who you're working with. Sometimes not. Um, <clears throat> depends on what you're doing for the show as well. So sometimes they don't need a VFX person there. That's true as well. And I know that visual effects is usually stuff that actually happens after the production's actually been done. Everybody goes home. And pretty much you're pretty much the one who actually adds in all the flavor for the show or movie that they're working on. Yeah, or removes their mistakes, which is <laughs> what we do a lot <laughs> a lot of the times. Okay. So you actually do a lot of the film editing as well, not just the vi- visual effects either. Well, it's all part of visual effects, but visual effects are everything from, um, you know, adding in, you know, what you would consider visual effects, stuff you actually see. But then there's a lot of invisible visual effects, like removing uh, boom mics that come into the frame, 
removing crew members in the background, cleaning up uh, sets. Uh, there's all sorts of things that have to be cleaned up later and, and shows. So uh, that's a big part of visual effects as well. Okay, because usually people don't realize that with visual effects and stuff like that, they're thinking of just the special effects itself. They're not actually thinking about all the other stuff that you just mentioned that, that, that they actually have to remove in order for a show or a movie to actually work well. Right, and that stuff is in everything, uh, not just projects that you would uh, think of as visual effects heavy projects. Right. Matter of fact, I remember in the 90s, I forgot what movie I went to go, go out and see. I was like maybe 12, maybe 13 years old. I actually saw a boomer inside the one of the shots. Yeah. <laughs> that's I'm not like, uncommon. <laughs> right? I'm like, that's not supposed to be there. <laughs> but you know what? Like, then, I, I kind of miss those days now. Because you're never going to see that again. Because it's going to be cleaned up by, you know, by people like me. But there was something uh, kind of nostalgic about seeing a boom mic come in at a time when they couldn't clean it up. Right. And you know what? I actually try and notice certain things, too. Like, I, that's one of my other favorite things to do whenever I'm watching a certain movie. I actually like to see some of the bloopers and stuff like that to where if there's a boomer in there or if there's somebody that's not supposed to be in there. You know? Right. And... You know, I remember watching the second season of The Sopranos, and I remember it was supposed to be an emotional uh, time for their family because Tony's mom just died. Right. And in the background, you see someone easy going going down the stairs, and then all of a sudden he realized he messed up. So he slowly goes back up the stairs, and he's all in a black suit. Yeah. So I'm like... So I found that part really funny, though, because it was supposed to be emotional, but it was also kind of funny at the same time. Yeah, they probably didn't have another take. Early Sopranos, probably. you know. <laughs> True. But my, my other question is this, though. How does one, like, you know how you said with the in the 90s and everything compared to the, today with polishing stuff up? How does how is that? How is it different from back in the 90s compared to today? Besides it being digital. Well, I mean, it was digital in the 90s, but it was, oh, just, okay. uh, it was just limited. And um, a lot of it wasn't uh, organized in a sort of a pipeline because um, you had to figure it all out. And only a handful of people could do it. And you needed really powerful machines to run, you know, and it would take a, a really long time. Now you can do a lot of this stuff on an iMac right off the shelf um so oh wow yeah i definitely can tell that an imac would actually more be more beneficial and stuff like that too but especially with the technology that they have out for apple and stuff like that with the editing software that they have yeah i mean depending on what you're doing i mean uh, uh but back in the 90s there was no home computer that would allow you to do any sort of video editing or visual effects of any kind but now you can do all that stuff on a phone so. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. Because I wind up having to do some editing on my own and stuff like that on the phone as well, especially for some things that I put together or something like that. Oh, yeah. Um, my question is this, what is a typical day like for you? Well, um, well right now things are, are weird because of the COVID. Um, right. So I, I work from home right now, but usually if in a non COVID world, I usually just go into the office around nine o'clock and then um, usually look at the shots, look at what's come in, check any sort of notes from the client, um, make any sort of corrections on those notes, um, move on to shots depending on the order of uh, importance. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, as far as uh, what I do. And then okay. I'll, I'll work on those shots, whichever ones I have, whatever needs to be done. I'll spend the day uh, doing that work, um, either by myself or with the help of um, some of my teammates. And then we, okay. uh, we finish it up and then it gets sent to the client for review and then it goes into the show. All right. Um, another thing, too, is like... How long have you been in the film business as well? 
Um, well, almost 20 years um, in some capacity. Uh, the first Hollywood film that I worked on the hit theaters was in 2008. So I guess I, I would start it there as far as uh, the professional, super professional stuff. But before that, I did a lot of small television and a lot of independent productions, small TV shows, stuff like that. Exactly, because you always have to start off from the bottom before you can get to the top, and that's the big struggle in Hollywood as well. You have oh, to yeah. get what you, <laughs> what you can get. <laughs> well, I started, yeah, I started below the bottom, so <laughs> sometimes you got to claw yourself out from under the bottom to get to the bottom. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> pretty much, you have to pretty much be like on Stranger Things, where they actually have to crawl their way out from the underground <laughs> just yeah. to get to where you have to be. Yeah, but yeah, and, I totally uh, understand that. The more years that go by, the the more you have to dig. So, <laughs> I, I hey, would, there's nothing I wrong with scrapping. Him. Yeah. The more people who do it, the the more <laughs> the more you have to dig. Exactly, and you know, the thing is, I I just want to say, some people don't realize the science that goes behind the scenes with whenever you do visual effects and polishing yeah. stuff up. And the math, because they think, okay, visual effects, there's got to be no math to this thing. Or whatever, oh, yeah. You're making one thing maybe dimmer, you're doing one thing this way. But there's a lot of mathematics behind it, a lot of science behind it. Sure, yeah. Uh, would you care to explain some of the mathematics behind it, or and how it's actually, how you actually get the best crisp, uh, pristine condition that you can actually get from a certain uh, shot that they actually give you? Well, a lot of it is... Uh understanding perspective being able to see perspective and you you notice a lot of it in like really low budget movies they'll have an effect that doesn't really look like it fits in there for some reason and usually it's because the perspective is wrong on the the element itself so when you're on set you take that into account uh, like i'm working on a uh, vr ex, uh, experience right now that i filmed and I have to film several different plates. And the way to do that is to measure off the distance and uh, from the ground to the camera and to the, from the camera to the subject and all of that to make sure that everything is the same as when we shot it the first time. Right. Otherwise, it goes all wopsided and everything. Everything doesn't look like it's all evened out or anything like that. It just looks, looks like it's all over the place. Yeah, and I mean that's just one example. I mean, the closer I can match it on on a set, the the better it's going to be. Um, right. As far as math goes, um, there are there are some things in visual effects that, such as scripting that involves a lot of that kind of thing. But usually, it's just knowing the size of things and um, uh, understanding pixels and. Uh, colors and <laughs> it, it's 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 art so it's i mean right. any math or science that's in it is all kind of background i guess i mean you bring it up and i'm going yeah there is math and science but i've always just looked at it as art so i don't um i don't really and the, think about right it. and that exactly and you know that's what i think of it as well as art not just math and science, because other than that, because people are going to be like, okay, math and science, maybe it's time for me to go. <laughs> you <Right>. know? <laughs> I, I, that would have been me. <laughs> right. Same here as well, because I suck at math. I'm not really good at science or anything like that. So, you know, if someone said, well, I'm a visual artist or whatever, and this is my art, I, I would actually take that into perspective and actually say you make beautiful art rather than say you make beautiful math and science. <laughs> Right. You know? Well, you know, that's, I think it, it's mostly art. And mm. so the, when you say math and science, it's very secondary. Right. And I just want to say this too. I thought the visual effects for Guardians of the Galaxy was fantastic. Oh, awesome. I, I really did. I, nothing really took me out of the movie or anything like that. I thought it was a fresh take on Guardians of the Galaxy. I thought the visual effects really was spot on. You did a really good job with the visual effects, even the visual effects team as, as a whole as well. 
Yeah, well, I was going to say, I didn't do all of them. <laughs> right. I, I did a handful you know, of stuff for Guardians of the Galaxy, which which was a, it was a cool show that um, I wasn't at Marvel at the time. I was at this other place, and we got handed uh, some stuff to work on from that show. And uh, I did some other stuff for Marvel, too, a show called Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Oh, first, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, first two seasons of that, and I think there was another one, too. But, yeah, they're, um, yeah, they take a lot of time, and and they put a lot of detail into their art. Um, whenever Most they make a film, or they try to make it look as realistic as possible, and that's, I, I appreciate that from those kind of movies, because I can't make those kind of movies, but I can sure watch them. <laughs> exactly. Like I said, I mean, if it wasn't for you and the team surrounded you and everything too for Guardians of the Galaxy and everything, it wouldn't right. have stuck out as much, you know. So I do, I really do appreciate your team and appreciate you for giving us a good movie. Um, well, thank you. <laughs> you're very welcome. Like I said, I only did a handful of shots on that, but um, but yeah, it's it's. It, I right. think it is important to um to acknowledge. The artists that uh, that worked on that movie and other movies that you enjoy, because it is if you ever see the behind the scenes of those movies, it's a lot of people standing around on a green screen set. So exactly. the more, so that's all artists that that make that stuff come to life. So, um, you know, I can't take a lot of credit on Guardians, but I can say thank you on as on behalf of an artist, you know. In the oh, you're very welcome. Community, so. I, I can understand that, though. I, I really do. And I was just wondering, when something is thrown at you, how does that come about? Like, when a studio comes to you and says that I want you to work on this, or there's a handful of them, how do you get uh, something like Guardians of the Galaxy, for example, or or an Underworld, or something like that? Uh, usually involves a really good producer uh, that makes the... Uh, that makes that contact. I've been fortunate in my career to work with a lot of really good producers and, uh, and people who are able to take, you know, a small business of just a handful of people and get big shows like that. Um, I don't know how easy it is today, but back like, you know, 10 years ago, whenever I was part of that, uh, these guys worked really, really hard to get that stuff. So um, the key is having a really good producer that um, that knows where to look and knows who to talk to. Most definitely. And also, too, what can you tell us about some of your favorite projects from your career so far? Well, um, the projects themselves, I, I tend to I tend to remember the work environment more than the actual show. So okay. uh, when I worked on the Muppets, that was a that was a really great work environment. Um, it was me and I think five or six other people who did all the effects for that show. And there was a lot of really long hours and stuff, but that was a really good team to work with. So I remember that. And uh, places like COSA and Identity and um, some of the other places that I've worked with. Now, the team I work with now is excellent. So I, I tend to remember it that way more so than the than the shows themselves. I can understand that. Uh, another thing too is, would you say the Muppets was probably your most challenging show that you actually had to work on, or would that be like secondary to something else that you actually worked on in, in the past? Um, I mean, it all depends. I mean, the thing about visual effects is, like, my job never really changes. It's like okay. I worked on shots on the Muppets that were more difficult than anything I did on Guardians of the Galaxy. But then at the same time, I've worked on stuff that was easy on that show. So it, it's all based on the shot and what they're trying to pull off. It could be something really complicated on something that doesn't look that complicated. Okay. So, um, uh, it's The Muppets was challenging because of the timeline, and that's usually what what uh, what affects us the most is uh, you know a quick turnaround having to get it done very very quickly um, I can imagine because what is 
I have a question. With the time frame and everything, what were they giving you for a show like that to get finished with the uh, visuals and all that stuff? Um, I mean, it was a couple of weeks. I mean, it was enough time to do it, but it wasn't enough time to um, take our time. You know, like we really needed a right. team of people in there that could do it and do it quickly and do it well. And so that's why that was one of my, uh, you know, one of the better projects for me because I really liked that team uh, that was assembled. They were able to do stuff really fast and without a lot of kickback. So, Okay. I can definitely see how that how that can be, you know, because I was just wondering, like, how much they were throwing at you guys, you know? It's like, okay, I need you to hurry up. That done. And, yeah. you know, I think my brain would go into overload mode. It's like, okay, how much can I actually get done with the hours that you're giving me? Well, TV is crazy you know? like that. I mean, and, and it's it's mostly television now. You know, 10 years ago, it was right. all about movies. So you get a shot and you'd, you'd spend maybe two weeks on that shot. Now it's television. You're going to get 50 shots and you've got to turn them over and you know, a, a very short amount of time. So you need a, you need really good artists that can get that done very quickly. Definitely. Right. Because, you know, with a movie, you can actually take your time, let things build a little bit to where you can actually get characters to be at where they need to be at, get the visuals done step by step, you know, with TV, it's like, bam, bam, bam. They want things done in a certain way. And everything, and it has to be a fast-moving pace. Yeah, well, also Look, the, um, just traditionally, the movies have had a bigger budget. So the mm-hmm. more money you have, the more time you can let people finesse shots. Um, that's that's changing in TV now. TV the budgets are going up, but they also produce far more content. I mean, think of how many hours an average season of a TV show is versus a movie. So that, True. so that, uh, that weighs in on it too. So there's, you know, it's always about trying to find a, a good balance between budget and <laughs> the thing looking good. Exactly. Because I mean, look at how many episodes the flash is. It's like 23 something episodes yeah. and everything. And they have to do everything quickly with a show like that. And then also too, you also have, a break in between with the uh, mid-season as well. Yeah, and it's getting faster now, uh, you know, because people, they all want to keep producing content as fast as possible, so. I can understand that. I like the fact that, you know, we're getting better television than we ever thought of even having and everything. Television is actually revolutionizing everything. And you know, I'm just going to go back to The Sopranos. If it wasn't for The Sopranos, we wouldn't have shows like Sex and the City. We wouldn't have shows like we're getting right now. Because they were actually the first TV show, I believe, that actually revolutionized, that actually felt like a movie rather than a TV show. Right, yeah. As far as uh, yeah, being well-known, they, they, uh, they, they popularized that style of uh, television. That um, <clears throat> single camera, I think, is what they call it. And uh, yeah, I think that's what they called it because I remember listening to Talking Sopranos, and the, both the actors were talking about that. Yeah, but they shot so, a film, and they shot it just like they were doing a movie. But that's an hour-long show, so that's like making you know half a movie every week. Right. That out, so <clears throat> I could definitely understand why they would have an episode with somebody in the background that they missed. <laughs> right, exactly, because they're trying to push it out as quickly as they can and get that product out there so that way everybody else can see it on a Sunday night or whatever. So, uh, my other thing is, too, what's the best advice you, uh, you've ever gotten from someone that you were being trained under? Oh, wow. Um, trained under? Um, it's, it's so much Or advice. it can be... Right. Or it can be a college professor, either one. I had a college advice. I had a college professor back when I went to film school who gave me some really good 
story writing advice, but it's not really that <laughs> profound. It's what you could find anywhere, but I just didn't know at the time. And uh, it was about character development. As far as like um, advice that I would give just anybody in this business, I'll take um, uh, Trey Parker. I'm a big fan of Trey Parker. And he said years ago, 20 something years ago, to just make stuff. That's the best thing you can do. No matter what you do, if you're a dancer, dance. If you're a singer, sing. If you're a filmmaker, film. Just make make stuff. Make it as often as you can. Um, and that's my advice because that's all I did. So I can't, <laughs> you know. Right. And that's basically the same thing I'm doing with this, though, too, with the podcast and everything, too, is like I'm passionate about what I'm doing. And I want to keep pushing co- as much content as I can for my yeah. listeners and everything. Because of the fact, if I'm, I feel like this, even though they don't say it or anything like that, it's just me in the way that I think. If I don't put on an episode in like two days or whatever, I feel like that I'm cheating them out of, out of my own show and everything. So I try to do something to where I don't yeah. feel that way, you know, because I always have to feel like I'm constantly going. And I even have friends that tell me, hey, look, you need to go ahead and slow down a little bit. I said, I can't. I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> well, what are the the friends that tell you to slow down? What are they doing? Basically, one of them actually helps me out on the show. And she just doesn't want me to burn out. So, or anything like that. She's like, just take a break and everything. It's going to be fine. The fans are still going to be there. They're still going to appreciate you and everything. <laughs> and then there's me who's like, nah, I got to keep doing <laughs> And then there's a couple of my friends that, you know, they support me from a distance and stuff like that and just want the best for me. And they also don't want me to get wore wore out with uh, doing the shows that I've been doing and stuff like that. But I have fun. I have a blast doing it. After working eight hours, this is like my relaxations. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're not having any health problems as a result of this? (laughs) Absolutely not. If anything, this is actually... The day will probably come where <laughs> this is an annoyance to you. But but until then, <laughs> make as many as you can. Bank them. That way you can take some time off when you want. Uh, but I right. think if you're healthy and you're not, uh, you know, you're not causing any harm to anyone, do it as no, much as you can. No, absolutely not. Exactly. Because that's how, you, that's how because... you get better. That's how you grow. That's how you, um, you know, there's, there's tiny little skills it's not all about the big picture you'll you'll gain little skills that you know you're not even thinking of if, you know the longer you do something you're like wow i never even Most thought definitely. about doing this thing you know <laughs> so exactly because i actually have little nuggets like that uh i've been doing this for almost a year now but i've actually have a little bit of nuggets here in there where i actually say okay i'm getting better in this area and right. I didn't think about doing this, but now I want to do this. So I definitely see where you're coming from. Yeah. I mean, that's the only way to get better, to, like, to me, to do it. Um, that was always the kind of uh, the way I learned. I, I had to do something. I couldn't just see it or, or read it. I had to do it, and then I could learn it. So Exactly. I'm basically a visualizer as well. Like, I can't just let someone talk to me. I was like, look, show me what you're talking about. And then you can actually, t- uh, then after that, I might actually get it. Yep. You know? <clears throat> um, another thing, too, though, about me, though, I used to be really socially awkward <laughs> and everything. Yeah, so well, that's, that's, poc- that's most artists. Oh. <laughs> right. Exactly. And with the podcast and everything, it's actually helped me to grow as a person, and it actually helped me to break out of my shell, and also, too, to not be so awkward. Wow, that's great. It, it really is, because back, I remember when, at the hospital that I work at, you know, at a Christmas party, for example, I, I would be, it was like wall-to-wall with people, crowded in, and I'm like, I don't feel comfortable. I would actually leave. <laughs> I would feel like Shelton from the Big Bang Theory, where I just actually have to get up and go. Yeah, you know? I mean, that's uh, that that's very, you know, believe it or not, very common in the artist world. I mean, if you go to Hollywood, a lot of people you meet 
that work in entertainment are pretty much just what you described. They would be the ones on standing next to the wall going, this sucks. <laughs> I'm going to go home and write something. You know? So it's exactly. actually, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty cool. It's a cool area to, you know, just about everybody you meet is a little bit like that. Most definitely. Um, my other thing too is like you've always been passionate about film, from what I saw. Yes. Yes. And everything. And just like me, I've I've been passionate about film since I was younger. And everything. The very first movie I saw was the 1989 Batman. Oh wow. <clears throat> yeah, I was. I, I remember seeing Batman on the screen for the very first time. I didn't care Michael Keaton was in the movie or anything like that. That was my hero. Batman <laughs> is still my hero. And I was just going balls to the wall crazy every single time something Batman would do. See, Michael Keaton is my Batman. Same. I think they should have kept him for... Uh, well, now they're talking about bringing him back as Batman and uh, or Bruce Wayne and something. I, it's one of their shows. I'm looking forward well, to that. Right, it's supposed to be like an Elseworld type of thing that they're trying to do with Flashpoint, I believe, or something like that on that line. Yeah, which I, I'm excited I for. It. I say get Tim Burton, get everybody back, do it, do it right. <laughs> oh, even, I would go crazy. <laughs> even if it was just one episode, you know, I don't know what they're doing with it. But well, I think it's just supposed to be part movie. of a movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's even better. Right. Yeah, they're talking about doing... A, Andy Moschietti is supposed to be doing the Flashpoint movie, and from what I know of, I think they're actually going to incorporate um, Michael Keaton's Batman into the Flashpoint movie. Hey, whatever Which works. I, whatever gets exactly. him back in that cow, I'll, I'll go see it. Same here as well. That's my Batman. That will always be my Batman and everything and you know i was just wondering too like what got you into doing visual effects from the very beginning i mean mm. did you want to do acting or directing or producing or was it a mixture of just about everything you want to dabble in um well i was uh yeah I, I think when i started as a kid i was more into the directing acting but um as i got older i got more into editing and then um, as far as visual effects go, there was a movie that came out in 2002, I think it was, called Kung Pao Enter the Fist. And it was directed by uh, this this guy, Steve Odekirk, who I was a fan of. Who had made, he had made this really awesome independent film called High Strung back in 91. And so I was a big fan of his. And so I went to see this movie, which I thought was just a kung fu parody. And then when I sat through the movie and then at the end it was revealed that it was a visual effects trick, most of it, um, that blew my mind that that was possible. Uh, that was actually pretty cool. because I remember actually seeing that movie back when I was a teenager, though. I, I really do. Yeah. <laughs> I remember thinking it was just a spoof it, movie. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a silly movie, but as someone who like at the time I, you know, I was a film connoisseur, I was a film lover, I was a filmmaker, I studied all of that. So, the thought that you could take yourself or take an actor and put them into an old movie so seamlessly, that was something that never existed. I don't think up until that movie, and at least not that obvious. And uh, so that uh, I, I started uh, experimenting around with visual effects shortly after that. Oh wow, that's actually pretty neat that that actually inspired you a little bit to actually do that. Yeah, that's I mean, cool. It's, it was a. I don't think that movie gets enough credit in the VFX world uh, or cinema at, at all because you're talking 2002, it's just a few years after Titanic, and they had more VFX shots and. <laughs> this right. really cool like something that you know might not be so you know, impressive today but back then yeah I mean that was impressive for back then yeah I mean it was it was done in a seamless way where if you didn't know that what that's what was going on you wouldn't know it didn't stand out or anything like that so 
that's that is what inspired me more than anything that that he put that much effort into making it seamless for a goofy comedy like that that's that's real filmmaking i agree with you anytime when you have stuff like that that actually happens it just that blows my mind every single time you know because it's rare for something like that to happen you know oh yeah but uh you know, I want to actually talk to you about something else, though, too. I know that you know uh, Crichton, Hobbs. Crichton? Yeah, Crichton. Yeah, I know. He wanted me to ask you something. Uh, what was your thoughts and feelings and stories about Travel Sports Weekly? Oh, um, Travel Spot Weekly was a show that we worked on, oh, God, 2003? Or it might have been 2002. I think it was 2003 summer. It I, I never saw the finished show of that, but it was basically a travel show where um, this this guy Robbie Tomlin would go to different travel spots like Panama City Beach or whatever and hang out with you know pretty girls and they would film it and. <laughs> and you know, and I would stand off to the side and hold a boom mic or whatever. But I, I never saw the uh, the the finished show. I, I still know all those guys. They're really cool guys that worked on that. That's um, pretty cool. I think they, yeah, they're all still in the business. So that's always a plus. It's good to know that you know from '03 to all the way now that there are still people in yeah. this business still today. So that's fantastic. I'm glad to hear that people still have their jobs and they're still loving what they're doing even after all this time. Right. And when it comes to TV, a lot of times you'll work on shows and then never hear about them again because they got tied up in some sort of distribution deal or some sort of lawsuit or, you know, so I don't know what happened to that one, but uh, it, it might have aired locally um, in that area. I don't know. Okay. <clears throat> and I, I never saw it. Yeah, I never heard of that show before at all or anything like that. And I know this has to be on the brink of the reality show stuff like with Survivor and things like that when this was actually coming out. Um, yeah, yeah, it was a different kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I mean, if you know, there's a lot of stuff that's made. So, um, I don't know. <laughs> the, the, the fact that it's not well known doesn't mean it's bad. Uh, right. I just, I just don't know much about it. Right. I understand because, you know, there's a lot of things that are filmed locally and stuff like that on my end and stuff like that that I never heard of or movies in general that are independent and stuff like that that I haven't heard of. But that doesn't mean that necessarily they're not bad, not good or anything. So I definitely right. understand that. Um, I know that you're working on a new review show. Would you mind telling me more about that? Um, I well, let's see. I could say a little bit, um, okay, because it because it is new. We just started filming it, but um, yeah, I've been wanting to do a review show for a while. I've tried it a few different formats that I I didn't really like. So this is a new show going into with a, a lot of other people. So you'll get a movie review from all different types of people in the entertainment business, from directors, producers, prop makers, makeup people, comedians, um, and it'll be movies you've probably never heard of. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, that's that's, that's sort of the idea is to bring a lot of creative people together. And originally, um, it was going to be like a dinner party. A dinner and a movie party, but because of the uh, quarantine, we can't really do that. So we've right. So right now, I'm um, reworking a few things. It, it'll it'll be the same show, but in a slightly different format. Okay, but yeah, I saw a couple of your uh, movie review stuff and things like that as well on your YouTube oh, yeah. channel. Yeah, I saw the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle one that you that you done. Yes. And I was yeah. <laughs> the uh the the Michael Bay one? Yeah, the Michael Bay one. <laughs> Which is, in my opinion is one of the one of the best exploitation movies of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I I definitely had some fun with it. That's for sure. Whenever I saw it. 
but you know, I still love the old classic one. Nothing beats that one. <laughs> oh me. well, yeah. I mean, that's the real one. Right. Exactly. Then, you know, but the, how do you make an exploitation movie? You you put more of that in, make it bigger, make it more expensive. <laughs> right, and hope so, that. Right. And it's just you know. You, you don't need all that when in 1990 they made a, a damn near perfect movie <laughs> with those definitely. characters. Definitely. And it was so, all so that's why, <laughs> Yeah, but at the same time I enjoy watching that movie because it is, it, it, it's an exploitation film. Every scene is big and over the top and stupid. <laughs> so I, I, I enjoy it, but uh, right. as far as the better Ninja Turtles movie. It's definitely the, the 1990 uh, Steve Barron film. Definitely. And, you know, it, you have to expect that from Michael Bay for it to be over the top and have your explosions and stuff like that. It wouldn't be Michael Bay if it wasn't. <laughs> right. You know? But, yeah, I definitely have to say, I did have a lot of fun watching uh, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and also, too, I know that you did a review for Jennifer's body and everything, and I never got a chance to watch that because Fox actually blocked that. But what did you think of that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jennifer's body. Um, yeah, that's when I was I was pumping out a lot of reviews for this October thing I was doing a few years ago. Um, <clears throat> so some of them didn't didn't last long, uh, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Jennifer's body. I don't remember much about that other than Megan Fox, who I'm I'm a fan of Megan Fox. I know a lot of people don't like her for whatever reason, but I, you know, I think she's she's fine. And Jennifer's body is a good example of the types of movies I wish they had kept putting her in because right. she's just she says the dumbest, stupidest lines and she just looks hot and that's it. And, and it's funny, <laughs> but, uh, you know, in, in a cheesy horror movie, it, it kind of works. It's that I, I liked her performance in that. Most definitely. I think that if she stuck with the horror genre, I think that she would have actually been, would have been a bigger star today. She might even be part of the screen Queens a little bit. I want to say maybe, yeah. Given some I, time. A lot of people there, there seems to be like this hatred for her on the internet and, and, I don't understand it. I don't know what she ever did that was um, that deserved so much hate. <laughs> you know, like, right. it's one thing if you don't think she's a good actress, but how many, how many other you know women in Hollywood are bad actresses that they don't say that about or bad right. actors or anything? That's I I I think it has to do with the fact that she didn't give the paparazzi what they wanted early in her career, so she got branded with all these things. Cause I don't know why people don't like her. I think she's fine. You see, I was one, well, I didn't hate on her or anything like that, but I always thought that maybe she could do better. You know what I'm saying? Like fear criticism, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, but that's, it's like, that's, but, that's sort of the role that she's playing or that she was playing in Hollywood was, you know, <laughs> I wasn't right. expecting Meryl Street performance. Right. <laughs> I, I get that I really do but yeah I'm not one of those people who are like oh I'm going to go get my pitchfork and my torch out and I'm going to go ahead <laughs> and say how dear <laughs> exactly I'm not one of those people I, I respect Megan for what she does and everything and things like that it's just like you know it's just all about fair criticism and that's I'm like okay if you tell me, okay, maybe she's not that strong of an actress, you didn't like her in this role or something like that, that's fair. That's a fair criticism. But just to sit at the cool kid table and say that you hate on somebody because it's actually cool to hate on someone, that's not that's not right. Yeah, yeah I mean, what, I, I don't know. I never got it, uh, you know, because the people who say that about her acting don't really seem to mind bad acting coming from other people. Right, and I can name some bad actors. I really can, you know. But I mean, and I'm I even not them... a, you know, I'm not a. I don't know everything Megan Fox has done. I only know those those few projects. But yeah, right, I, I don't get it. She's I don't either. Me. But I'm just yeah, wondering. As too... far as Jennifer's body, it was just uh, 
tons of one-liners. <laughs> like it was, you know, it was kind of, it's kind of like Megan Fox's demo reel in a way. Like if you wanted to, if somebody said, who's Megan Fox, give them Jennifer's body because you're going to get all those goofy one-liners. You're going to get her in a mini skirt. You're going to get, <laughs> you're going to get this stupid um, overdone scenes. Uh, <laughs> that's her demo reel, I think. Definitely. If that was not going to, to me, I think that would actually broke it out into more roles with Jennifer's body, to be honest with you, because of those one-liners, yeah. because of those things that she was able to do and everything. I think, I think she'll, I think she's going to make a comeback. I'm you always rooting wait. for a comeback. <laughs> you just got to wait. Uh, if you wait long enough, things become nostalgic and people come back. You know, Pee Wee Herman came back. That's Megan true. Megan Fox came too. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get that as a t-shirt though. If Pee Wee Herman can come back, so can you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, <laughs> Megan so never motivated. really went away. I, Megan's just one one good movie away from being back in the... So maybe somebody will give her a good role and Exactly. Like, I think she because was a good and like picking her for April O'Neil, a lot of people hated that. I looked at it like you looked at Michael Keaton with Batman. <laughs> I was like, I you know, who cares? Let's see what happens. But uh, I think the material is what was wrong with that movie. I don't think it was necessarily her performance. It's like, who could have been a good actor with those lines? <laughs> right. Exactly. Because there is such thing as having good actors and actresses and a bad movie if the script right. is not right. It may look good on paper, but from paper to screen, it could look totally different. Yeah. But my other thing, too, is, like, what was probably one of the most challenging movies that you ever had to review? Had to review? Um, yeah. I don't I don't know. Uh, I tend to only review stuff that I can, can review. So I have to have like an opinion on it going in or else uh, I guess if I didn't have a, an opinion, it would be tougher, but which now I'm <laughs> regretting making all my friends watch these really bad movies <laughs> for this new show. But uh, I think I had to write a thesis in college about um, story structure and the movie I chose was UHF with Weird Al Yankovic. And oh, I, I realized, heard about that. <laughs> like that was that's one of my favorite movies. But what, when I wrote this essay, I realized that it's not really a good movie if you're writing about story structure. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I really had to dig to you know to make that make sense. Um, you know, so that that might have been the most difficult one. Uh, but usually, I I just like the only crime for a movie for me is for it to be boring. Like if it's not boring, I can get through it. Then I don't consider it to be bad. I might not consider it to be good, but I'm not going to, you know, as long as I can get through it, you know. Right. Because if you're over there looking at your watch, like, okay, when, when is dinner? Did I go ahead and leave the stove on? What? Uh, Maybe I need to go. (laughs) You well, know? now you just pick. Now you just pick up your phone, and then <laughs> before you know it, the credits are running, and you miss the whole movie. So, right. So that's that's another thing about film. They they have to have a lot of action right up front, so people don't get they don't pick up their phone. Exactly. And another thing too is like the most challenging movie review that I've done was the movie Get Out, and it wasn't because. Of the fact I didn't know what to talk about. It was just the ending of it. It's like, how do I go ahead and talk about this movie without spoiling it for everybody else? You know? Yeah. I mean, I... But, uh, yeah, that that's always tough. Um, like, I, I like to talk about obscure movies so you don't go into that territory of spoiling because chances are the, you know, the people have already seen it. Or they're not going to watch it, but uh, yeah, I can I can understand that. I mean, and another thing too that I want to mention though too is I know that you're a big fan of Super Eight film. Oh yeah, yes. And I really did. I thought that video was very insightful on 
on on that and everything. I thought that was a perfectly well done job on how you explain Super Eight. Yes. And I just want to say that was really good. Um, thank you. Would you? You're very welcome. And I was just wondering too, like, can you explain that a little bit to my listeners as well? You don't have to go as into as deep as you did or whatever, but just a little small taste of how uh, what the difference is between the styles and stuff like that. Well, Super Eight is is a is a film stock. Um, similar to 16 or 35. So when I was young and in film school, the dream was always to shoot on 35 millimeter film because that's what movies were shot on. Uh, 16 millimeter was sort of the, if you had to make an independent movie, you do 16. And then Super 8 was kind of the home movie market. Um, but what I like about Super 8 is that it's it's very easy to use. Um, the film comes in a cartridge, so you don't have to, uh, you know, load it in a dark room or anything like that. You could switch it out, and the cameras are small. And I live in, you know, I live in Los Angeles where there's a few places I can get it processed and get it back. I have a scanner and all that. So it's more of a hobby, really. But if you like shooting film, it's a good way to go because it, it's it's efficient and you get good results and nowadays you can get a scan up to like 4k so you can get a good resolution or pretty good resolution out of it if you like like that kind of thing okay another thing too is like what's some of your favorite movies that you like to watch oh geez (laughs) (laughs) um like example um i like all kinds of stuff What's your favorite one? What's your favorite movie, though? Like, if you can give uh, not a top five, but just some something that's actually random in your head that you can place and that you can watch over and over again. Um, hmm, let's see. My my favorite movie of all time is The Bride of Frankenstein, but I can't watch it over and over again. <laughs> you know, that movie it, is a classic. <laughs> yeah, right. I watch I, it like once every five years or something like that. I can definitely understand that, though, because I love the old black and white Frankenstein. That's my favorite Frankenstein movie. Yeah. I also like Bride of Frankenstein as well. You know? Um, yeah, uh, movies I can watch over and over again. Uh, anything by Kevin Smith, I can put on and, and put it on loop and have it play throughout the day. Um, you know, anything by, uh, uh, you know, I probably shouldn't say this, but Woody Allen, I like his movies, you know, um, those are movies I can put on and sort of listen to in the background. And, uh, right. Yeah. Usually it's, uh, you know, it's stuff like that dialogue heavy stuff I can watch over and over again. Same here as well. And don't feel bad about the Woody Allen thing because I like some Kevin Spacey movies still. And I have yeah. to actually... <laughs> And I'm trying to separate the actor from what he did, and it's hard. <laughs> it's hard, yeah. It it all depends on what they do, but right. it also depends on um, on how they handled it. It's like a whole thing of like you're sort of like retro hating someone <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because when they made whatever this thing was that you love, they weren't known for that. It's uh, it's pretty much tainted. But after it's, it's like the Cosby show, we're going to have a whole generation of kids who grow up without the Cosby show. And, you know, 10 years ago, people would have thought that was a travesty. Now they're like, good. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. Because I remember spending hours in front of the TV watching the Cosby show. And now I'm like, OK, I'm glad that they went on ahead and got rid of the Cosby show because of the things that he did, you know. Then um, oh, yeah. another thing, too, for that matter, is even the Jeepers Creepers movie, I cannot watch Jeepers Creepers or anything no. for that matter because of the things that the director did. Um, I don't know if you knew about that or not. No, I didn't, but I imagine it's something horrible. <laughs> it's it's like he's – if you want me, do you want me to go in and tell you or – Yeah. Okay. He's, he, and he's a pedophiler. Oh, okay. 
Yeah, so I'm like, I can't watch any cheaper Creepers movies now. That movie is now tainted. And every single time when someone brings up the third film, has anyone seen Jeepers Creepers 3? I go on ahead and I said, I'm going to respectfully tell you this. I refuse to watch anything with Jeepers Creepers in it, even if they have another director, because it also is the, the director is also the one who wrote the film. I cannot separate that from anything. And also, too, someone I played Dead by Daylight. And someone also mentioned in, the, in a Facebook group that I'm in, what killer do you like to? Would you like to actually see? Someone said, "I would like to see Jeepers Creepers." I said, "The day they do that is the day that I stop playing." <laughs> <laughs> well, like, because... how far down the ladder does it go? Like, so if the writer and director does that, then you're done with the movie. Producer, I imagine, DP. But what if, like, it's like a grip, or, or like a lighting guy? Is that is that enough to ban the movie or, or true? Or, <laughs> that's actually that's actually a good point though because you don't think about the lighting guy or anything like that. I was like, oh, he's just the lighting guy, the guy that's just in the background. It don't matter, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> but because everybody's out in front, that's where people focus tend to focus on. You know, yeah, I I don't like I I can certainly understand. Um, you know, not not wanting to support projects that have people that do things like they call it cancel culture now. <laughs> I don't know how right. far that goes, but I could certainly understand. Me, I I only get bothered if I have to see the person. So, you know, like for a while it was hard to look at Michael Richards and, and like an old movie or somebody like that. But um if it's a writer and director I I, I generally don't notice unless, you know, it's Roman Polanski or somebody. I gotcha. <laughs> but I yeah, know. it's I definitely mean, hard. <laughs> I watch so many uh, obscure movies that I'm sure most of these people probably have felonies that make this <laughs> shit. <laughs> right, exactly. So... Like, some of the stuff I watch, I question my own inabilities as well. <laughs> I'm like, I start going into my own psychosis. I'm like, is there something wrong with yeah. me? Do I need to go see a psychiatrist? Was I not hugged as a child? <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, you know, it's just good uh, entertainment, though. I don't, you know, that's, that's just the way I see it for myself. Yeah. And I do, I can get this, I can actually relate to you, though, with watching Kevin Smith movies, because I love Kevin Smith movies. Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially Clerks okay. and Clerks 2. Oh yeah, Clerks Two, one of my favorite movies. Um, Kevin Smith is yeah, he's one of my um, one of my role models for sure. Um, Most I had the pleasure of, of meeting him a couple of times and being part of uh, a film school thing he put on like almost ten years ago. And uh, super super cool to the fans. He's not a he'll sit and talk with people for hours so. That's awesome, though, because, get this, one of my friends who lives out in Slidell, Louisiana, happens to be in a grocery store, and there was Kevin yeah. in a grocery <laughs> store. And he well, just, they, shot, uh, they shot the movie down there, the Jay and Silent Bob reboot. They shot that in Louisiana. Yep. yep. And they also did that with Bill and Ted Face the Music as well. Oh, yes, and I'm looking forward to that. Me too as well. I'm a huge Bill and Ted fan. Oh, yeah, and Kevin Smith gave a review on it already. He said it was adorable. He loved it. So I'm looking forward. That new trailer dropped, I think, what was it, yesterday or today? I saw it today. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, but, yeah, it looks, it, looks, it looks really good if you like Bill and Ted, which I do. So, and it's written by the same guys. So That brings me hope. You know, if they went on and changed out the writers and stuff like that, I'm like, okay, maybe I might be a little hesitant. But I'll still give no. them a chance, you know. But considering no, the fact it's the original guys. writers, right? Ed Solomon and Chris Matheson, same dudes that wrote That's the, awesome. uh, the first two movies and came up with the characters. So I'm excited. I'm I'm way beyond excited for this movie. Yeah. And a matter of fact, I remember uh, Keanu was actually walking around in Slide L, and he saw a sign on somebody's lawn that says "Girl, awesome." He knocks on the girl, woman's door and he goes, no, you're awesome. 
<laughs> and walks off. <laughs> but yeah, yeah that's I, not like a Keanu move. Definitely a Keanu move. I respect Keanu a lot. <laughs> but another thing too was like, what movies inspired you to want to do acting, visual effects, and producing? Um, my, the movies that inspired me were were very weird. Um, it was it usually had more to do with the story behind the movie getting made than it did the actual movie itself. Like like my uh, my go to for that question is Cannibal the Musical, which was Trey okay. Parker's first movie, and uh, stars Trey Parker and Matt Stone's in it and Dean Bahar and. Uh, Toddy Walters and a few other people that would work with Trey later on, but um, they made that in college on like a you know hundred thousand dollar budget they raised from friends and family, and it's this period piece that takes place in the old west and the Rocky Mountains with snow and it it's a really well done independent movie. So when I was a teenager, I saw that and I said these are these are college kids who made this. It, it blew me away that that was possible because at the time I thought to make a movie, you needed millions and millions of dollars and a whole thing. And, or it was going to look like something like clerks that was black and white and, you know, grainy. And this was, right. this was a full, this was a full musical with dance numbers and sets. And, and it, it was crazy that they pulled it off for what they did in college. Not, nonetheless. So that made me as a high school student, um, feel you know that that it was within you know it was doable it was in uh was in my grasps to to do something similar that's awesome though i never even heard of that play or anything like that so that's something that i might actually check out myself yeah it's it's a movie uh cannibal the musical it's uh yeah directed by trey parker he made it when he was in college at the university of boulder in colorado with Matt Stone, this is before South Park, long before anything, and uh, he plays the main character in it, Trey Parker does, and it's a full musical, it's based on a true story, it's funny, it's, you know, it's it's everything you love, if you like South Park, you like it. You see, I used to love watching South Park as well, as uh, as a teenager, especially Cartman, yeah. you know, you see it, I mean, yeah, <laughs> but... <Yeah. laughs> But yeah, I remember doing impressions of South Park and stuff like that. I still do it today, <laughs> and everything too. Apartment. <laughs> and if I pick it, you stay over here, and I'll stay over here. That's pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I try. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I love the, the Parkers and everything. So I'm definitely gonna give that a try. Um, oh, another yeah. thing too is speaking of comebacks, Shia LaBeouf has made a big comeback lately. I I missed it. Um, <laughs> but not big enough. Obviously, I, I didn't right. see it. <laughs> but no, he's actually done a lot of independent films lately. He's done Honey uh, Honey Boy. Oh uh, yeah, I knew, I knew about Honey Boy. Yeah, yeah, I knew about those. Those those films to me actually shows his acting chops. He's definitely matured as an actor on that level. And even with uh McEnroe, when we played John McEnroe with Bork versus McEnroe, that was a good film. And I'm not a big huge tennis fan. <laughs> yeah. Well I like Shia LaBeouf and Transformers. I thought it was good in that. I did too. I, I actually back have to when say. he was an unknown you know he was an unknown actor to me at that point. But uh Right. Because I actually grew up watching him on Even Stevens, and then of course he also played on I Robot with Will Smith as well. Oh yeah, he was in that. Yeah, I forgot about that. But it's like <laughs> during those times whenever he would just randomly pop up, I would fanboy over that because I always liked how he brought the humor into a certain movie. Yeah. So I always was like really excited to see Shia in a movie and everything because of that. And then, oh, especially, well, I mean, it's, it's good that he's directing, and you know, that's that's a good step for an actor because then you can make your own stuff. Right. Um, let's see. I do have one more question for you, and 
I was just wondering, can you give an example of when you thought outside of the box, how you, how did it help you, uh, help your employer when you thought of something outside the box that they wanted you to do? Um, hmm. I can't think of any, anything recent. I mean, it, you usually have to think outside the box a lot to get things done if it's something that's never been done before. You know, you have to try different tools, different, you know, applications, different techniques. Um, so there's there's been some times where I've tried different tools and succeeded. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a good question outside the Thank box. That work-wise... Um, not so much, but, um, not, not that I can pinpoint anyway. I'm sure there's a time okay. where I did, but. <laughs> okay. Another thing too, I was wondering too, this is just me, uh, thinking about independent films. What are some of your favorite independent films? Um, well, I mentioned Cannibal earlier. Uh, High Strung is one of my favorites. Good luck finding it though. Uh, it was never released on DVD or any kind of streaming, but it's one of my favorite independent films. Um, a lot of the stuff that Roger Corman did in the early 50s, I love. Those were basically independent films, even though they were financed by a small company. Um, let's see, as far as independent, there's a lot of weird micro-budget or no-budget student film kind of shit that I like. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that's, as far as independent film, that's pretty much it. Except, you know, except stuff on the internet. I mean, I, I'm a fan of um, some guys on the internet. That's cool. Like, uh, uh, James Rolfe at Cinemassacre. I'm a big fan of that. Big fan of Channel Awesome and uh, the Nostalgia Critic. Um, they they do kind of independent film, I guess, or the modern day version of it. So, okay. But yeah, I also have to say though, I watched The Gift recently. Yeah. With Jason Bateman, and that was actually one of my favorite indie films so far, aside from Peanut Butter Falcon. I thought that movie was really good. Oh, right. I haven't I don't... seen it. Check it out. Yeah, it's really good. It's where you have this guy who moves in moves to California with his wife and he runs into one of his old high school friends. And it's one of those awkward things, you know, where you haven't seen your friend in over maybe 20 years, you know, right? and you just happen to run into him. It's that awkwardness of, Hey, I know you, you know, you remember me. And then all of a sudden he starts inviting himself over for dinner and stuff like that. And he starts going into the whole thing where there's something that Jason Bateman's character is actually hiding from his wife. And this character is actually bringing a little bit of his past life into the light. Hmm. So it's actually pretty good. Wow. I'll check it out for sure. All right. So I just want to say, man, thank you for being on the show and everything. I do appreciate you being on. Yeah, not a problem, man. Anytime. And you're always welcome to come back on the show and everything at any time you want, uh, not just for one-on-one or anything like that. You're more than welcome just to be on the show, talking about movie news, movies, movie reviews. Maybe we can collaborate on something in the future or something and do something like that. So, Good thing, man. All right. Well, Good thanks thing. again. All right, man. All right. Thanks, Seth. You have a good night. You too, man. Thanks. Bye-bye.